0: Hello and welcome to Tech Demand Weekly, the weekly content marketing podcast. I'm your host, Charles Commons, and on this episode, we are continuing our look at podcasting. This time by delving into the world of interviewing.
1: Who are the big players? Who should I be speaking to to get insights? Because they're there, They they are the leaders, they are shaping the argument. Having some insight into who they are, why you're speaking to them, if they have some materials that you're basing some of your questions on, make sure you've read it. You just never know whether you're going to get some, some good material from this person. If they are a good speaker, if they can articulate their arguments in a fashion which you can then turn into some good quotes later on.
0: David Howell is a freelance writer, journalist and publisher. Specialising in technology and business subjects, his work has appeared in the national press and many of the leading technology and business magazines. To start our discussion on the art of interviewing, I asked Dave what the big no-nos and mistakes you can make are.
1: I think the initial mistake that a lot of people really make when they, when they try and set up an interview is they don't prepare it properly. What I found over what 20 years of doing these things you need to give the interviewee as much time as possible there's some some, some thinking time basically the worst interview is you just can't ring someone out of the blue and then hit them with what could be some quite technical questions and expect to get some good responses from them because they 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 have no preview of the of the questions which you are going to to ask them so what I do is once once I've done all the prep work for uh, for whatever I'm writing. I've identified who I want to speak to. If they're happy to to do an interview, then I'll go away and come up with some questions. That gets sent to the interviewee, usually three, four, five, maybe even a week before I actually want to speak to them, because some of these people are super busy, particularly academics, and need lots and lots of leading time. So that preparation is vital, I've found. Give them some time give them some questions, uh, so they're prepared, and then ultimately when you actually do the interview, they've had a chance to craft some responses in some cases. Um, they've made some notes, that kind of thing. So when you actually do the interview itself, uh, you get much better responses.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest no-no from my point of view is to then also go in and maybe change a
1: question. What I always say to interviewers at the beginning is that the questions I've sent them are a, a framework I need responses to those questions to to write up whatever I'm doing, say a feature for for a magazine or a website. So the the questions are framed to give me some supporting quotes for some of the points I'm making in the feature. That's how I structure these things. But I always say to to the interviewees, it is just a framework. If we do start to talk about something that's related, that's fine. I'm quite happy to explore that. But you, you must sort of always have in the back of your mind ultimately what the interview material is for so it doesn't go off on a tangent and you end up spending lots and lots of time talking about something that isn't relevant to the piece of work that you're using the interview responses for it is a balance but i do try to make the the interviews as sort of fluid as possible not a sort of rigid question and answer you know, not allowing them to expand on some areas because clearly once we start getting into the interview it's a conversation so you know a conversation is a, is a free form thing and often when we mention something, we'll start to discuss something in more detail, which maybe I don't have a specific question on. And that can often reveal some, some more material, which ultimately ends up uh, you know, giving me some, some very good insights, which I then turn into good comments and responses for, uh, you know, say, the feature I'm writing.
0: The way that you kind of do that is obviously you've got to be listening to the answers that the person that you're interviewing is providing you. Because if you're not listening, you won't actually get a follow-up question.
1: That's right. And I think that's also the, the art of the preparation. It's, it's having, having some insight into who they are, um, you know, why you're speaking to them. If they have some materials that uh, you're basing some of your questions on, make sure you've read it. Uh, don't, you know, because you, you know, you need to be able to ask intelligent questions uh, that haven't been maybe covered in their paper or if they've written a you know, book or something. It's important to frame your questions so they are very clear the interviewee so they they're not confused i also think that you know a lot of the questions uh yes they should be open questions of course but you you, you kind of need to need to nail down the, the preparation work for, you, for yourself so you ask yourself why am i speaking to to this person and you know what are the insights i'm trying to extract from them then the next stage of course is framing the questions to to extract that information that's the that's just kind of the two-step process for you know for the ideal interview when you're doing an interview,
0: what's your purpose for doing it? What what reason have you got that you actually want to go and speak to somebody else to to get quotes for?
1: Well, if an editor, say, commissions a piece of work, let's, let's stick with some magazine features. They'll brief me and say, OK, we want to talk about X, Y, Z, whatever the subject is the very first thing I do is, okay, who are the big guys? Who are the main people in that, uh, in that area? So I always try to identify three, four, five people or businesses who I, who I should contact and speak to because the brief lends itself to that. And someone that's reading my materials uh, uh, will expect me to have uh, spoken to these kind of people.
0: Do you always get the people that you want to speak to?
1: Not really, no. Uh, the, the drop-off rate can be quite, quite large. Sometimes the brief will say, you know, you must speak to three people. You know, we want three different angles to the brief. If I definitely need three, I will contact six or ten because I know from experience that 50% of those either can't do it, won't do it, or they never respond. So you just need to have some kind of contingency so you can hit your deadline. I try to have a sort of backup. If I have to talk to, say, three people, I'll try and get commitments from, uh, from at least five just because I know that one or two of those are probably going to drop off and won't be able to provide an interview within the time frame.
0: When you end up in the situation where actually all five people say yes, do you try to make sure that you accommodate all five into the piece that you're you're writing
1: and you're publishing? I make it very clear that that's, that's my call because obviously I don't know what responses I'm going to get. If it's, say, for something in an industry which is uh, yeah, fairly narrow and focused, maybe I'll get two interviews and their responses are very similar. So I'll, I'll make a choice. Which, which, uh, which one do I feel is uh, is the best for, for my feature? Because ultimately you have to think about your audience the brief is there from my editor, but my focus is the readership. Is like who who am I writing this for? And therefore, what's the best comments and what's, what are the best interview responses to, to meet that audience's desires and demands? What would what, what be good for them? So I'll always look at all of the material and then make a editorial decision based on those factors, um, the brief and the audience, and then match that to whatever comments I've got.
0: You mentioned before about how important preparation was for you. um I want to maybe delve into that a little bit deeper and just sort of sort of learn what sort of preparation you do. You talked about how you'll prepare the questions and let your your guest know in advance what those are but But is there anything else that you actually do in preparation for the
1: actual interview itself? My initial question is not really the, about the brief; it's about the audience because the audience informs. My uh, my piece of work, the brief is a it's it's like a scaffolding or it's a, it's a roadmap. This is what the editor would like to cover. My time is often spent understanding who the audience is. You know, who who are these these people? What's what's their motivations for reading this material or listening to this podcast? What why why are they doing that? And that's half of the preparation work because if you understand who the audience is, then ultimately you'll find the best people to interview. Because your preparation leads you to those people because they are leaders in their sector or whatever the subject is. So prep work is is fine. All the background reading uh, you may need to do, um, that will clearly crop up in your desk research. But ultimately, when you're saying, OK, I want to speak to to this person, I always ask myself, well, why would I want to do that? And the, the answer is, well, because the readership of the piece would find that person's insights useful and engaging. That's always has to be the the core motivation. It's it's who the readership is.
0: Same again, then, with every single other piece of content marketing tool that you have at your disposal. Audience
1: is the one thing that always comes first. Yes, always. Anyone can write a a piece of work, but is it written for the audience? It's not written for me. It's not written for the editor of a podcast or the magazine or the website. It's written for the audience, and the audience is always the key driver. It has to be because that's who you're writing the uh, the material for. If you understand who they are, then your your writing will be instantly uh, elevated and you'll be able to find uh, you know, really good people to, to plug in for interviews. It's often a case that once you understand the audience of the persona, it's a, it's a much easier avenue then to, to locate the interviewees. If you don't spend the time understanding the audience, then really what you you end up with is a kind of out-of-focus brief or an out of focus idea of what you're trying to write. It's, it always has to be uh, you know, audience focused. That has to be central to everything you you do. The actual interviews themselves are just a component of you know, whatever the material is going to be, but you always have to focus the, the material on you know, who, who you're writing it for.
0: We'll take a short break, but when we return, Dave will give his top tips for interviewing. Tech Demand is a B2B platform who specialise in connecting organisations with their customers. Tech Demand create unique and engaging specialist content which is evergreen for generating campaign success. Visit the website tech-demand.com to discover how Tech Demand can help you. Welcome back to Tech Demand Weekly. This week I'm joined by David Howell and we're talking about the art of the interview. My next question was, how do you start an interview? You can't
1: really jump straight in. I mean, I've already prepped them before with the the questions, and I'll also obviously put links to if it's for a publication so they can go and have a look at uh, what it is. I do explain on the the email I send either to them directly or via their uh, public relations people. Uh, why we're doing this. I don't send them the brief. That's for me. That's not for them. What I do send them is uh, this is who the material ultimately be for. Um, this is why I'm interviewing you. This is the uh, brief outline of, uh, of the, the feature or the podcast or the video or whatever it is. But when I actually speak to them I'll reiterate that um, just spend a few, you know a couple of minutes uh, you know, thanking them for, for you know, joining you and spending some time but ultimately it's uh, it's just to, to put them in the picture so you they understand what the materials for and also what you ultimately you want to, to sort of uh, extract from them why are we actually having this conversation and often they'll be quite open to that if you spend a, a couple of minutes passing the time of day and you know what what have they been up to and then explain what you're going to do with this material material before you launch into the into the first question
0: yeah so a little bit like we did before we started recording this podcast
1: that's right it's conversation um you, you can't be really regimented and just hit them with you know 20 questions or, or whatever although again one of the the things with interviewing is often there are too many questions i think people that begin uh, doing this they, they just ask too much you really need to hone that down to you know um, maybe five or six questions maximum so it's, it's just that, it's, it's have a conversation with these people. It's not a formal interview, you know, they aren't applying for a job or anything. It's, it's put them at ease, put them, so they're relaxed, and ultimately you, you'll, you'll get better material from them. So during the actual interview itself, what advice
0: do you have for what to do during those? The, the one thing that has always stuck in my mind,
1: for instance, is to simply not interrupt. If the conversation starts to move into another interesting area, you need to think on your feet a little bit and think, okay, that person is now talking about something maybe you hadn't considered yet, but that would be perfect for the piece of writing or or for the materials that you, you are creating. How can I extract a bit more of that? So you need to kind of almost do a little bit of analyst on the fly as you're listening to these people uh, respond to maybe a question you've already put to them. But if you start to uh, hear something that is maybe more interesting or maybe goes into uh, an area which you haven't considered, which would be ideal for the readership again, then you need to think very quickly and come up with the next question that's based on that, not your next question in the list, but the next question that you want to to ask them to extract a little bit more about this, this tangent they've gone off on. You need to sort of develop that skill a little bit. It's not a case of just listen to the answer and put the next one. It's, it's a little bit more subtle than that
0: you want it to flow don't you and 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 i agree with you completely it's definitely a skill you have to kind of learn or at least adapt to to doing because if you are having a normal conversation then then about anything then then the conversation will ebb and flow in different directions and and you might end up coming all the way full circle back to where you were at the very beginning but then again, you might not, and you might find yourself heading completely in the opposite direction to where you thought you were going to be that you haven't necessarily prepared for, and therefore, you, you do need to be able to think on your feet and to then take that direction and, and make it sound or feel like it was always meant to go in that way.
1: Yes, and I think that that is the art of uh listening, isn't it? That's 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 really put your, yourself in the situation where you understand. The, the piece of work that you ultimately want to create using uh, these comments. but You need to be open and very flexible and, and a little bit agile uh, as well. Um, if something does crop up that you want to extract, then you need to be able to do that. It's one of those unknown factors, I think. You can practice that a little bit, and over time you'll get better at it. But it's it's being aware of, I, I guess, the, the, the pointers. And again, it swings back to brief and the audience keep those in mind your interviewee then starts talking about something that you really hadn't planned for then yes go with that start to think about some follow-up questions why are they actually speaking i know that sounds rather complex but uh, the more you do it you'll get better at it so it's all about that uh, that kind of listening and analyst understanding what your brief is understanding what your audience would like to to read or listen to or watch it's a little bit hard to, 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 to explain how to do it until you've, uh, you've sort of uh, had a go yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing to sort of remember with that I think is that at the end of the day, you can edit those bits out. If it ends up being a case of actually it doesn't fit in with the content that I'm wanting to produce right now, then you can make that editorial decision later. But, go with the flow at the in the moment so that because as you said you never know you might actually end up hitting on something that your audience would would really be interested in that you hadn't thought about beforehand whereas if you actually stop the conversation there and then and say actually we, we've we gone too far let's bring it back in you you'll never know whether there was that gold there in the first place.
1: That's right. You you need to give them um, uh, a little bit of leeway. Let them let them sort of go off a little bit if they if they like to. But you know, ultimately, don't forget you you still have a, a fixed brief and you still have some questions which you which you sent out which you must get answers to because that's ultimately how you've structured your your material. It's not a case of let them go off on a, a tangent and ignore the rest of your questions. Don't do that because then you may not end up with materials you need to support. arguments that you're putting together for for your materials Um, you you still need to cover all the questions but do give them a little bit of headway if they'd like to to do that obviously not to not to the point where you run out of time and they they have to end the call and you haven't covered uh, the rest of the questions it's a bit of a balance again you need to just think on your feet a little bit let them maybe explore an avenue if you feel it's useful uh, but then do swing it back, you know, to to the questions which they've uh, maybe already prepared, uh, you know, some some notes for, just so you've definitely c- captured all the materials you do need. Again, you may have some some real diamonds in the roof uh, when you when you listen to it back. Um, but ultimately, it's understanding what you need to achieve with the interview.
0: You've been doing this for a, a, well a long time now, a decent amount of time now, Dave. Uh, how many? Times has it gone wrong for you? Have there been occasions where you have turned up, you are on time, and then the person that you are speaking to just actually doesn't give you anything whatsoever that that you find useful?
1: Yes, that, that it's rare. Uh, I must admit, most people um, uh, I do tend to to interview um, are quite happy to you know impart their their knowledge and some of their time. Uh, again. Um, try and do these interviews uh, in as shorter space as possible. Uh, you know, don't uh, don't think you can do these in ten minutes, and don't go for an hour and a half. <laughs> that's yeah, that's crazy. But yes, I mean, sometimes they they're just not very good speakers, uh, or they they're just not very good at communicating. You, know, you ask a question, and they they give two sentence answers, and then there's silence on the other end of the phone, and they want you to move to the next question. I do still persevere with those because sometimes they they warm up later on once once they've uh, sort of got over the initial uh, shock. Um, Because it may be that they are not interviewed very often. And, you know, it's not in most people's experience to be interviewed by journalists. It just isn't. It's, it's not a given that these people are you know, used to the, this kind of interaction. So it's, it's a little bit like being uh, frightened when you put a microphone in front of someone. They, they, they may have fantastic insights, but they climb up because there's a microphone uh, under their nose. They get very stressed and anxious. But yes, it's it's just one of those uh, one of those unknown factors. You just never know unless you've spoken to the person before, of course, whether you're going to get some some good material from this person, if they are a good speaker, if they can articulate their arguments in a fashion which you can then turn into uh, some some good uh, good quotes later on.
0: I think one of the best examples of that is probably uh, professional sports people, isn't it? These these people are sat down and they're they're given a certain amount of media training, and you'll have some of them that will happily talk for queen and country and 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 be very very open and some of them will literally stand there almost just just frightened to say the wrong thing and therefore all you get is the standard sort of stock responses that everyone then sort of turns around and goes well well it was just full of cliches and, and there wasn't anything of actual any use to us.
1: That's right, and you know, one or two word answers or yes/no answers, um, even to open questions, uh, sometimes they can they can happen. Not a saying you you should abandon the interview. As I said, it may warm up later on. Over the years, I've probably only had maybe a handful of those where um, the the interview was uh, was really a disaster. Um, there's no material imparted. I can't. There's nothing to use. Uh, that's that's really useful. Which is why, as I said earlier, try and buffer in, you know, a couple of extra uh, potential interviewees just in case the one person you thought would be fantastic ends up not being so. Because often you'll rank your interviewees by usefulness, I suppose you'd call it. One or two people you definitely want to speak to because you, you know, your research tells you that they should have the best insight. And then the others as uh, sort of supporting uh, interviewees. Often that's the case, but often it's it's the opposite. Um, the you know, the people that you think were, were going to be fantastic either uh, are not very good speakers or don't have the insight, and then uh, the people lower down on your list end up uh, being fantastic.
0: So just to sort of round everything up for us, Dave, what are your top tips for performing a well-rounded
1: interview? First one is preparation. Spend some time prepping your uh, material uh, in as much detail as, as you can. Understand what you're trying to achieve with the material Define your audience, and then find some interviewees which uh, you know could provide you with some uh, supporting uh, quotes for whatever you're trying to put over in your in your material. Never ring uh, someone just out the blue and then start firing questions at them. Give them plenty of, of leading time before you actually speak. That will depend who they are. It can be anything from a couple of days to to over a week, depending on how higher up in the the business they are. Their uh, their time is obviously uh, limited. Um, so trying to speak to a CEO is, is quite difficult, whereas someone in their marketing department, for instance, or um, I a mean, middle manager is, is, uh, is not as difficult. It doesn't matter who, who they are. Always send them the, the questions up front. Uh, explain who you are, why, why you're trying to, to, con- to contact them, what's it for. That will give you an idea whether they would like to, to contribute. And the, the set of questions will uh, give them an insight into, into the kinds of material which you're trying to sort of extract from them. Often they'll come back and say, well, that's not really my field of expertise, which is great because you can move to the next one. Other times they'll ask for some clarification maybe on some questions which they don't quite uh, understand. And on the questions front as well, try and make them as as simple as possible. Don't try and load in too many clauses into a a question. Try and make it obvious and clear what you're trying to to ask them in each question. That makes the responses more focused, which ultimately is best for, uh, for you later on when you're trying to, to use these uh, these quotes uh, in, the, in the material you're trying to, uh, to you know, put together for your editor. Your if it's too complex or their uh, responses are, I guess out of focus, I suppose you'd say, they don't have as much weight, I've, I've found, over the years. So try and get very focused and clear responses to a very focused and clear question.
0: My thanks to David Howell. You can find out more about what David has to offer at his website, nexuspublishing.co.uk. That's all we have time for this week, but make sure you tune in next Wednesday as we continue our look at podcasting for the B2B marketeer. I'll see you then.